everyone. Welcome to the one and only bodybuilding.com podcast. Uh, we're thrilled to have you. I'm Nick Colius. She's Heather Eastman. And we're also thrilled to have our guest today. She is the one and only Colleen Norton, um, fitness model, founder and creator of The Fighter Diet, author of a whole lot of fitness books, including The Butt Bible, and most recently, Fat Loss by, My- by Mind Power, which I think is a great title. It sounds like an old 1940s. <laughs> yeah. um, kind of like bodybuilding.com for a lot of people. She's synonymous with transformations, transformation challenges. She was way ahead of her time and preaching the gospel of muscle and strength training for women. Uh, and we're just happy to have you here. Thanks for Thank coming. Thank you so much for having me come, yeah. And um, now based on what I've read, you're, you're also, you're coming up on nearly 20 years of consistent training, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, February 19th, 1999. That's when I started with my first workout and I decided at that point that I'm gonna be a uh, professional bodybuilder. Uh-huh. And you I just decided to, right yeah, away. Like without even having first, like I actually went to the gym with that goal before training. <laughs> Today and, I'm yeah, going to <laughs> So because I saw Arnold on the cover of a magazine and I went back and before that I had like, I was starving myself for five years and I tried to find that kind of discipline, but I was like lost. And mm-hmm. I walked by a magazine store and I saw like Arnold, I've never, I mean, I knew him as an actor, right. but not like that. I'm just like, what is that? And oh, I saw okay. the muscle and it felt like I was watching some kind of like porn magazine cover because, you know, all this not. Na- <laughs> right, naked. all that skin. Yeah. And, I yeah, know. Exactly. And I just, but that really intrigued me. And I got, I got back the next day, bought the magazine and I started to pick up all this about nutrition and training and that it, it required discipline and, you know, strictness and all that. And that is something that I needed. I needed to take my uh, destructive behavior and turn it into constructive. Hmm. So I always wanted to come to America. And I said, like, okay, so if I become a pro at this, I can actually be granted an American green card. And uh, so I decided that, that day that I was going to uh, allow myself to train for three years. I was never in a rush. Mm-hmm. Like, some people are like, oh, great, three months, right, like, it's yeah. too long. Uh, and uh, I was set on stone. So I competed uh, for three after three years and uh, kept on competing for three years until I like uh, I was granted a green, uh, IFBB pro fitness figure mm-hmm. card. Uh, so that's how it started. So that was uh, 20 years almost uh, training. Wow. Know. So this this first workout, you go in, you're inspired by Arnold. You weren't inspired by like, you know, um, Not by the Jamie body. Eason's and things that no, we hear about. No, that, that's the thing too. People always ask me that. Like, mm-hmm. what did inspire you? Did you have a female model? Like, no, I never had. And this is what is so weird. Okay, so I'm not one who's very... Uh, like a shallow. I don't care about physiques. I'm in a sport or that, you know, it's all about the body and, you know, the better body you have, the more like a hierarchy you have. I've never been interested in this. I didn't do this to have some kind of sexy looking body. This was for me, it was like an, uh, uh, a spiritual journey and kind of like a therapy for the soul. And that's what got me hooked. And mm-hmm. Arnold was not about his body. I mean, because yeah, all the muscle, but it was right. his mindset. It, his drive, his determination mm-hmm. to come to America. So that was what I like. I, it right. triggered and me. And his his early books, uh, like uh, Education of a Bodybuilder. Yeah. I I love that book. Yeah. And and the, the um the Modern Bodybuilding Bible too. But especially Education of a Bodybuilder. It's, yeah. It's a really interesting mental. Yeah. journey that he goes on through that no, thing, for sure. No, and we have so, so much in common there because he's from Europe, you know, he mm-hmm. wanted to come here and he chased his dreams. And so I really related to him. And the best compliment ever I got was by Skip Lacour in 2004 mm-hmm. when I was uh, working for AST Sports Science. And he said, he, he gave me a picture with a sign. He says, like, little Arnold. So he called me that. <laughs> That's the best compliment ever, you know, because that was really like, you know, okay. So wow. now, did you start by doing Arnold Arnold workouts? Well, like, what was your, what was your day one workout when you, you were going, oh, yeah. I'm going to be a pro? <laughs> what was the number one thing you did just to start on the first day? I didn't know there was such a thing as free weights. So uh, <laughs> I of course, just went plenty to energy. people don't. 
but no. <laughs> so I went to a Nautilus gym and I told the trainer to set me up on a muscle building program. So he started with this, you know, it's like 20 reps, one set and all throughout machines. And I started to question, like I saw, what about the squat racks, you know, and like the pull-ups and that. He's just like, well, we don't have that. And so I asked him, like, do I really have to train light to first learn it? He says, well, you know, you're supposed to. I'm just, okay, I'm just going to train heavy. Mm -hmm. So I found another gym. I was like fantasizing about doing real <laughs> squats and all that. So I found another gym and they were power lifters who like took me under their wings and they showed me how to do it. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. So heavy lifting was part of it from, yeah. from the early going. Yeah. No, it, but... With that comes some pretty serious soreness if you don't have a lot of experience. Yeah. Did you uh, re rethink your mission in the early days or you're like, this is uh, part of the deal, I love it? I like the pain and, you know, having had horses my whole life, you know, I was, no, I was just, my body was used to heavy lifting and training legs. I had like an athletic body. I just like had a lot more body fat too because my diet sucked. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know who, um, Marika Johansson, who was from bodybuilding.com, she was the bodybuilder at that gym where I, like I started after that. So I saw her and I met her back when I was like 17. So it's pretty okay. cool because we like, she trains at Gold's Gym now right. too. So it's like okay. a small world. That's great though. That's, I mean, it's pretty important to have somebody kind of show you, yeah. all right, yeah. I'm this much ahead of you. This is where you're headed. That can, that can be pretty crucial for people. I think a lot of people get that from you, obviously. Yeah, and I changed my mind when I, in 2003, I came to America the first time. And I was all about the bodybuilding. And I didn't have the kind of uh, reality about seeing how big these girls are. And I was small, like typical fitness. So I went to America then and I saw that these girls are way too big. So I changed there to, okay, I want to do fitness. So pretty much it's the same training for bodybuilding. Right. It's just, you know, you're going to be smaller. So I just saw that. And then at that point, that's when fitness figure took off. So I was just lucky to come right in where I fit it in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead if you have a question. Oh, I was, so um, just because Early on, you got right into the heavy yeah. weight, so, but you said your diet sucked. So yeah. how quickly did you realize you needed to adjust that and recalibrate that? Um, it took me many years. Mm -hmm. I think it would, my first, uh, from 1999 to 2005, those years were when I just, like, I did the typical way everyone else does. I was uh, dieting with fish and broccoli, fish and broccoli from Monday to Thursday and half Friday. Mm -hmm. And then I gave up and said like, well, everyone else has a cheat day, so I'm going to have it too. And f I didn't understand why I got fatter. So I ate junk food from Friday afternoon to Sunday night and I didn't understand mm. how I could weekend. just, yeah, just mm -hmm. how can that make sense? I'm dieting right. for four days. Uh, so I was completely in denial and naive and didn't understand and, and, and did typical this, you know, you, you eat for your workouts because you were lifting so much. And the thing is that it doesn't require that much energy, right. but I really wanted to. So I was like typical, I was like, uh, my heaviest weight on my little frame was like 135 and I'm like 5'2 and now I'm like mm -hmm. 110. But, um, in 2005, I got uh, cast for the Biggest Loser show in Sweden, and I realized at that point I'm going to be on TV every week. I don't want to look fat. Right. So I got like through, I just like, okay, I'm going to get started here and like and just eat get better. Um, took out all the crap and all the junk food and the inconsistency of dieting, and of course I leaned out and I liked it. And, uh, and after that, I just got better and better each year. And then in 2007 here in America, I, I started to get really grumpy with competing and being hungry all the time, and I like, was so mad. Right. Like, I want to eat, but I also want to be lean and like how do I get those two equations together uh, and I don't know I was lucky there because I was running on the beach and all of a sudden I got this uh, epiphany from whoever force who just kind of gave me a whole com uh, concept that was fighter diet mm -hmm. like how to actually do this that is a catch-22 
And I've never in my whole life ended a workout prematurely, but I did at that point. I actually ran home and I just write it on my blog that I have, I have it. I got it, you know, like, like a genius idea. And I trained clients at that time and I also had a blog. So everyone started to do this, what I do- did, and I got really good feedback. And I suddenly lost my cravings and just like, okay, I'm eating all this food and I can have like the, the cocoa powder, like, because I love chocolate. So I mm. did that with everything. And that's how it all started. Like, mm. I feel like, I feel like I stole something, but it was just, you know, like, I guess all problems that they just solve in your brain. And I had runner's high and then all of a sudden I got it, but I'm Mm. really happy about that. See, but yeah, it's interesting that that was, that was a real departure from the way that bodybuilding was done at that point. Do you feel like you have a a love-hate relationship with just the idea of bodybuilding and the way bodybuilding is performed that yeah. over time does that has that changed you've gone back and forth well first of all like my um they broke my heart in 2003 when i saw how far they're taking the sport mm-hmm. for you know it's not about health anymore right. and it's like it's it's all about the looks and it's not about the inside and i've always been very uh, concerned and passionate about health like i don't care about the outside if the inside is not there so it was like almost like you know you first love and then you see that this was not really what you thought you know and um and then I'm just like, okay, uh, what about if you just do it, you know, the way you want and just like show people that you can do all this and be healthy and it's nothing that uh, you do for a year and then you have like, you you washed out and you right. can't do it anymore. So I decided I want to be like a Jack LaLanne, you know, but a female form, just show, okay, women can be strong. We don't have to look like a man and you can lift hard and, you know, so that's been my mission like all day because women think for some reason. Even knowing our testosterone is this little compared to guys, and you can lift until the cows come home and nothing will happen, but girls still want to do high rep and tone because they think that they're going to be so big. And then they come to me after 15, 20 years training and say, I don't want to build so much, Polly. I just want to be like average, just like you. I'm just like... Mm -hmm. After after 15 or 20 years, Average though. just like you, yeah. I know. I'm just like, all right, let's do it, you know. And then they get frustrated that they can't see results. So it's this, you know, I try to make women, okay, if it doesn't feel like you're working hard, it's not working for you. So I don't know why women have that kind of, I feel like it's like anti-empowering that women mm-hmm. keep on holding this, want to be small and tiny. And I'm trying like, embrace your shape, be strong and healthy, whatever that is. If it's size zero or size tw- mm-hmm. 10, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So that's like my message overall no that's yeah, great and, that's and great mm. we encounter that story more and more often yeah. where it's like the girl was going through the bikini yeah. phase and then yeah. you know all of a sudden she figured out that if i lift heavy yeah i can actually stay smaller yeah yeah, yeah no, right have more muscle yeah. and it's awesome so you kind of touched on that whole idea of the washed out bodybuilder yeah. and i've noticed just in interviewing athletes and and people who kind of have have clicked in and figured out ah it's not about doing a show yeah. gaining 20 30 pounds and then yeah. trying to lose that again kind of maintaining that steady yeah. fitness and never really reaching that washout yeah. point and do you feel like that's something that is starting to kind of actually come up higher in the industry to those top level athletes well you- i hope so because i've always made it my number one to always be in shape like i don't want to have someone wants me for a photo shoot something oh i have to diet for three months like why do i want to look great one day it makes me completely demotivated um, I think that the more people who actually embrace the lifestyle instead of having that, the happier I am because that's all I preach. Like, it's good to do shows and competitions to make you go for it and stick to your uh, your goals, but it has to be something you want to do long term because it doesn't matter how much time you're putting in here, it's not worth it if you don't love what you do. Why would you spend so much time of, of your life right. spend on complaining about being hungry, complaining about can't eat whatever I want, mm-hmm. like who me? I have to go and train. Like you know how many people would love to go and train but they can't do it. People who are like paralyzed in a you know in a wheelchair and all that, they would love to. 
I, I don't think we have, we shouldn't have the luxury of complaining about something that we choose to do. It's like something is wrong with you if you'd like, okay, this is what you chose. So for me, I don't complain about being hungry. Of course, I have cravings like everyone else, you know, but I have principles. And it, what weighs more to have some like in like right now, I want the gratification, or do I actually want to have a long-term reward? And in today's society, where everyone needs to have now, 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 if it's if you don't get the message in three seconds, you're gone, you know. And I kind of like bottling that because you can't just buy that. And right. if you buy it, you're gonna lose it fast. So the harder you work for it, the longer you do, the better, more successful you're gonna be. It's like the it's like the perfect anti-aging routine because it's the only thing that keeps on regenerating cells that you build up and so on. It's the only thing. And what is best is that you can't buy it. You can't. So it's very fair and square for everyone. It doesn't matter if you have high income, low income, you know, if you train and you eat somewhat good or healthy, you're going to be a winner. And sure. I love that. It's yeah. very fair. Yeah, no, I think that's great. It reminds me of this idea I've heard of, um, they talk about a training age sometimes is an idea that I see sometimes where it's like, it's your age for how long you've been consistently training. Like for you, okay, it would be yeah. coming up on 20 years. Yeah. But that's just, I think it's an interesting idea because it makes you kind of stop and reflect like, all right, something changed there. And yeah, everything that's in my going on in my body is a little different yeah. after that point. So for somebody who, you know, hears that and thinks like, well, geez, my training age is two months, two days or two years. How how does how does that compound over time? You know, how is it different at five years, ten years, fifteen years? I think uh, first of all, when you're a fitness toddler, when you start, uh, youth. I always argue with these guys online that are like they're like eighteen, and they start with a bench, you're like two hundred, and then they see they do a linear progression. Right. So in and they think it'll last forever. <laughs> and in three months, they're gonna be world champions right. because yeah, exactly. that is how they see. They calculate it and scientifically, you know, makes sense. I'm just like, okay, wait around. Because you're going to have uh, the typical halting uh, pause and it's going to drive you nuts. And that's where everyone falls off. So I always tell people, okay, it's going to be fun and like a honeymoon for the first six uh, to 12 months. After that, you got to love it because it's going to be much slower. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they think they're special cases every right. time. Like they're a genetic <laughs> freak. Um, so that comes like you're struggling with small, small, small changes. And after like the three years, you kind of have reached your kind of potential. After that, it's about pushing the limit and the beyond your gen genetics and all that and keep mm -hmm. on. And it's gonna be harder for every year to see changes. Uh, for me, like I enjoy that. I don't. I, I enjoy the eating and the training. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the like the results per se. And I've asked myself several times: if you didn't look the way you want, if you didn't do anything, would you still do it? I'm just like, yeah, I would. So mm -hmm. that shows its true love in that it's not about having a body that I can't keep up or something. Right. So. Is it is it more about just how you feel then? I yeah, mean, uh, it's you about just how feel I feel different. I but I feel better when I feel I'm in shape, where I have chiseled my body the way I want to. And for me, I have lousy genetics when it comes to fat loss. I have slow metabolism I have hypothyroidism and everyone told me that a woman who's like short and me and and natural and, high, and low slow metabolism you can't look the way I want mm -hmm. like, oh really you can you just have to be like a, a, a turtle you're gonna have to work harder than everyone else so a lot of people come to me too now when they know that I, it took me many years before I, I admitted to people that I have like a thyroid condition because so much stigma about it mm -hmm. like you know that oh once you have that you can never really reach any right. goals like you can't be into some kind of lean thing Oh, you can't? So I take all those people that have that as an excuse and just, okay, so I'm doing it, so what's up for you? Why right. can't you do mm -hmm. it? Like, I'm not a better person than you. You know, mm -hmm. you can show it. Yeah, that is that is, that is an excuse yeah. that you hear from a lot yeah. of people. Is, like, don't is, make yourself is, a victim, you know? Mm -hmm. And also, if you, this is only you have. You can't replace your body. You can't change it. So what are you going to do? Just, like, settle for less than you want? Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I try to get all these people who 
sell themselves short and just see, okay, I with all my crappy stuff, like, you know, like I'm short and I'm almost midget mm. and, you know, and I'm doing this. So you have perfect genetics. Like, like why can't you push yourself better? So um, I think I just, I don't like laziness in rule, mm. I guess. Mm. So, and, and think, thinking of, you know, bodybuilding as opposed to other sports like powerlifting, you said yeah. you started out in a powerlifting gym. One, one thing that, um, that I do like about bodybuilding and bodybuilding culture, even though I don't have any background in it before this job, is that it does kind of find a way, right? Yeah. Like a bodybuilder comes into a gym and he or she will use every, everything in there for yeah. something. They're not afraid of machines, not afraid of barbells. We use really everything for what it's good yeah. for as opposed to somebody who's going to be more narrow, super performance yeah. focused. There's more of a more of a ritual, more yeah. like it's it definitely a long-term play. Does, does that appeal to you? Because oh, yeah. you could have been a power lifter if you wanted to. Yeah, right? uh, absolutely. And especially when it comes to... Um, you know, injuries. Like right now I have to, I have three days out of a surgery. Like uh, I'm doing, I have torn my uh, hamstring right up the sit bone. So it's like hmm. two thirds of the, of the like three, two out of three muscle tendons to the muscles have torn. Hmm. And one, uh, one of the tendons have retracted this much down. And that hmm. was my first tear that I really heard was in 2002. I was stupid and young, cold, and I did splits and a boom, I heard in the room. And that was the first one. And wow. I didn't know what to do at that time. I went to emergency room and in Sweden, if you can walk, you're fine. So they don't send you to the MRI and just like go home. I didn't know what to do. And that's the worst thing after like right. an injury. And it's you know what hamstring I did? Hamstring can be just haunt you. They had to yeah. stop everyone's like right. career. So I didn't know. So I thought I was going to show that hamstring who's the boss. So I went to the gym trying to deadlift and I like... That was, mm. didn't work. <laughs> so I uh, I kind of was like, like didn't move for several months with scar tissue and so on. Like fast forward up to 2015, I had another tear in the same spot. I would have a really strong day and I felt like I was uh, invincible. And then mm -hmm. bam, I fell to the side. And uh, like that didn't teach me enough. I was going to show that hamstring again. Who's mm -hmm. the boss? So so you, <laughs> did, did you go in at that point? Even I did and, say, in, like, and I right. tried to do sprints. Yeah. And you know, and I felt the warning from the hamstring said, don't do it again, Pauline. But I wanted, I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So then I tore my left one. Uh, at that point, I had to jump off the treadmill. So stupid. I know from me too, like I thought I was mm. smarter, but right. apparently not. Stubborn. And uh, so then uh, a few weeks ago, I had a photo shoot where I, I like I've been training around this for like two years. I uh, had a photo shoot and I was standing in the deadlift area, like standing in the position, not lifting. And that set it off. And I just knew, okay, I have to, I have to check this out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to see. 15 years. I know, I don't <laughs> want to see doctor. what's on there, but I right. can't train. I don't want to lose my muscle mass either. Mm -hmm. And of course, the MRI showed what I don't want it to tear some both and all that. So um, long time, first like frustration and despair and all that going through all the stages. And then, okay, I have to do this and then show how it's done. People are like, oh, now you can eat like, like ice cream and all that. Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to be on crutches for first first six, six weeks, not knowing when I can come back and get fatter too? No, this is when discipline is going to show. So mm -hmm. I've taken this as an opportunity to show people there's no excuse. And if you can't work out, you can still get lean. Uh, and I'm going to ride on that to show people how it's done. So I like to kind of like show and lead people and right. to show them how it's Yeah, done. yeah, no. I, and that's, I was listening to one of your podcasts and I really like that you don't, you don't hide from the injury. It's like you get completely fascinated about yeah. the injury yeah. and you're going really in deep leaning into it. Yeah. Um, but just get, it's just kind of interesting because to hear you describe it now, you avoided this for a really, really long time, yeah. right? Which is very easy for yeah. somebody to do to say yeah. like, and I know, I know something's wrong, yeah. but I, I yeah. don't want to do it. We talked to a lot of athletes that have that same issue. Like it's their shoulder and they just kind of worked around it, yeah. worked around it's it. It's just part of who I am, my, my bad shoulder. Yeah. Something happens. Yeah. And you even touched on it earlier that 
there are people who can't work out. Yeah. There are people who are in wheelchairs on yeah. crutches and, you know, bedridden. Yeah. And so you're going to be one of those people yeah. Yeah. here in a, in a yeah. in little a few, while. Five days, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you're taking it and, and flipping it on its head and not doing the poor little yeah. knee. No, you're I actually going to show pity, people that yeah. you can work around it oh. and you can. So have you been out for, for a forced period of time really I've in the been, past? Uh, first, I tried. Actually, so in my whole career, I'm a training ad- alcoholic, like right. trainaholic. And my whole, uh, I had one repair for hernia in 2008 that I was born with. It wasn't through the tra- uh, training. Um, I was out 11 days. And they said, like, you have to be out for, like, three months at least because it's mm-hmm. such a, like, you know, center, right, central sure. thing. No, I went in and I, like, deadlift and everything went well. And so I have very minimal, I've always underestimated train, uh, rest. And that's something that I've always been working on trying. But it's, like, my drug. Like, I have to. It keeps me sane, keeps me from working, being productive, like, everything. It's like my mm-hmm. whole life is around it. So with this thing, then it scared the hell out of me because like, what am I gonna do with this? And uh, but I real when I tried to train around it, then I didn't know how bad the injury was. I thought it was referred pain, maybe uh, you know, glute or something. But I was driving and my like typical cramp in my glutes over and over. I couldn't I couldn't do it. But mm. for some reason, like you minimize it or you think this is just part of training. And I also thought that I've take also you're gonna laugh. Uh, I've always taken pride in not work through injuries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck? What am I selling? Right. But I actually didn't realize. I thought it was, okay, I'm overdoing a little bit, but I didn't think, you know, I don't think you could do what I do with that much torn capacity. But what had happened is that my adductor has really been mm-hmm. overworked. So uh, okay. for a while, I started to do glute thrust and it worked great. I went up to almost like 300 pounds. And then my body just says, not enough. Because I started to recruit muscles that you're not supposed to. Right. And I just, I have to do something about it. If I want to train until I die, I'd rather do it now than, mm-hmm. you know. You see those biceps, you know, when the, the tendon is all the way down here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have it that far. So I'm trying not to show people, uh, first of all, okay, pay attention to it. Because I always tell people, don't train around injuries. It could have been for me that on the MRI, they showed nothing was wrong. That would be really bad because it right. would show that then there's a disc right. nerve problem. Yeah. So I was lucky in that way. And it's just, this is a sucky thing. I'm just happy I'm not like an MMA fighter who has to go back and then tear it up Sure, again. and yeah, have a really unpredictable yeah. sport where you don't know, yeah. somebody may know your weak yeah, point Yeah, exactly. They know yeah. my hands will pull, so I'm just right. like, okay, she's gonna go for right. that one. Well, and we're kind of trained to think that if it's soft tissue, it's not a big yeah, deal. You know, know, if it's muscles, tendons, yeah, yeah it'll yeah. fix itself. We're, the worst. You know, if it's a broken mm-hmm. bone, yeah. you have to fix it. Yeah. But if it's especially, you, yeah. I mean, you, you you made a great point there talking about hip thrusts. Yeah. Well, you think when it, a, a movement is doing something, right? You yeah. look online and say, "What is this? What is yeah. this train?" Or yeah. somebody says, "Well, you do you glute, glute thrust yeah. or hip thrust for this," but once you're really affected. It's training a whole different yeah. Yeah. pattern, yeah, whole different yeah. set of muscles. There's yeah. a lot you of redundancies fatigued. in the musculature. Right. So no, and all you're doing is reinforcing yeah. dysfunction yeah. at that point, too. Yeah. You're getting worse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I realized that because I saw all of a sudden, oh, I, I got into the gym and I'm just like, I'm tired. Like, I'm mentally drained. And I didn't know why. Is it overtraining or not? Like, nothing. But it was, I think that now in hindsight, just seeing how the body has tried to cope because I've been lifting so heavy. Right. And I have, I'm very determined. And I always since my start, I was threatening myself that if I don't do this rep and you won't get to America. If you don't really do this reps, oh, you won't get the green card. Because I don't want it enough, you know, like that. And I've always been like that, um, you know, push my limit to the max. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, I, this is this is now. So now when I went online, it's just, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be uh, grumpy for a while and so on. And just don't pity me because this is like uh, I have the luxury that I can have a surgery and I have it diagnosed and I'm in a good care. It's just my I'm living with my own demons. That's gonna be the problem. Sure. And you know, and people always 
they kind of they like to see someone fail and then see them go up again. I'm just okay, sure, we can show you that. Because I always had to work against that people who don't see me face to face or don't meet me think that I'm like a you know, uh, a bitch who doesn't mm. care about other, very cold. And I can understand because the photos that we document to present me, right. I look like I'm like mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's some mean looking photos. <laughs> I know, right? Picture. So I understand that. <laughs> if I saw that, she's not nice. You know, so that's why all these challenges, transformations too, that people actually, I call them up and we talk to them and so on, that um, it has got me closer to people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be... Um, even though I think it sucks and I, I rather want to train, you know, and have none uh, interrupted, I think this is going to be, it's like the blessing in disguise where actually I see that all the things that I've emphasized my whole career, which mm-hmm. is the mental part, not about the body. And like, you know, that I always make fun of people too. Like I, I go out there and I just show, instead of having this perfectly posed picture all the time, I was the one who started this. Okay, this is what you look like when you're not posing. And I put my stomach out there and just stand like everyone else. And then after that, it became like a trend. I see people do that. I'm just like, okay, we've seen this. Seen, mm-hmm. seen this. But I think this is going to be really good for people to relate to me in another way. Mm-hmm. I can show that I've walked the, walked the uh, talk, walked the talk mm-hmm. too in this way of having not being able to do what you want with my body. Right. And also show how much you can maintain. That's my goal, at least. Right. You know? sure. well, and it, it flip-flops because not only will people be able to re- relate to you, you'll yeah. be able to relate to those yes, people exactly. that have gone through yeah. that kind of injury. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. a big deal. No, exactly. Yeah. No, so it's like it's a blessing Especially, in disguise. It's, it's, it, there's also just this question of control in there, right? Yeah. Like you had control forever. Yeah. Now you are, you're having to give up control, yeah. give up authority to yeah. a certain degree like a lot of people they the people in your challenges people who work with you you are their authority yeah. but were you just your own authority because when i think about like somebody who's you know really doing compensatory movement patterns on squats and deadlifts and things like that <laughs> a good trainer like you yeah. would look at that and say what are you doing what yeah. are you doing but was yeah. there somebody over your shoulder saying hey 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 what's going on or is it all was it all you just guiding it because you've been doing this yeah i'm yourself? one of those stubborn rats that i for- I never ever taken an order for anyone mm-hmm. like i have to even though people can say that for me you have to get this checked or so on like i like all these olympic weightlifters i have like a national champions you know and all that goes to train and i see how they train and i've talked to them all the time and and um I just don't listen. I like. I, it would be better for me if I did, if I had a coach, for instance, if I was a sport, they would have taken me out for a long time ago. But when you're your own and you can do whatever you want with life, it's good in one way. You're your own boss. So you, right. Nobody tells you what to do. But on the other hand, nobody's stopping you. So you can really mm-hmm. keep on pushing beyond what you're supposed to. And that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, on the other hand, you get to say, guess what? This was all me. Yeah. I built it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I know exactly what I was doing. Hmm. I thought it was just a little tear. I didn't think about this like a tendon and so on. But it's been like it's looking back now. It has really been an issue for so long that I just I I, I don't know how I could be training that heavy. I feel bad for my body in hindsight. Like you know, oh, I, I had you lift like two fifty pounds of deadlifts with a torn hamstring. I'm sorry, I didn't know. You should have <laughs> told me. I'm just like ah, hamstrings. Just like, I told you, I told you. Hmm. But you know, like yeah, I guess. I mean, people are worth to have like you know one shoulder is not working at all. They still work out. So it's just right. you know. Hmm. And now you've you're also somebody who is really done a lot of free weights training. You've been yeah. big on things like deadlifts and yeah. squats for a really long time. Yeah. Other people, when they start to feel those twinges, they go for the machines. Yeah. Like, all right. And, and right now, I feel like we're in this interesting place in fitness right now where because of CrossFit, because powerlifting is so popular, everybody is so pro-barbell, anti-machine yeah. these days. But looking at the workouts that you're doing for bodybuilding.com while you're here, there's definitely a balance of mm. those. How, how, have you, how do you find that balance and how has that changed over time? Uh, well, actually, I think uh, the free weights are always going to be the foundation of it. Mm. I do I know too much that machines take away some of the load and I want to overload my body. Right. Mm. 
machines have really been helpful for me with injuries now, like as long as I could actually train around it. Like I could do, you know, calves and stuff like that. And um, I think both has its, its place. I do not really, I don't subscribe to the theory that you should teach beginners machine moves yeah. because that's bad. Just let them do, you know, no very little weight and then show them so you can actually establish what I didn't do. I didn't learn the correction. I just, I was talented, so I got the hang of it. But still, um, I think it's important to do that and not do be a lazy personal trainer, just put them in a machine and the work happens. Right. Because if you've been training for years and you can't even do a squat, something's wrong with your training. So right. I think that is important. Right. Well, well, and those, and, and, yeah. those open chain movements yeah. are designed for rehabilitation yeah. exercises. Yeah. Like that's really what they're meant to do. Yeah. You know, you, you'll see a bodybuilder on the leg extension yeah. just because they're trying to really yeah. target the quads. Yeah. But for 90% of the pop, like that's what a machine is for, yes. is for rehabilitating or working around an yeah. injury or isolating just one yeah. part of the muscle. Yeah. And that's really what rehabilitation yes. is. It's not about building muscle. Um, so, and then kind of going back to that balance of free weights and what you were talking about. And so chances are you're going to have to come back a lot lighter. And you talk about this in a lot of your videos yeah. of like, leave the ego yeah. at the door and yeah. that kind of thing. So talk to me a little bit about kind of your mental preparation for that. Because I think going, that for not training I think hard. a lot of people, a lot of people want to just jump right back into where they left off. Right. I would do that too, if I didn't know it's going to be an expensive surgery. And <laughs> I have learned a lot more by pretty much trying to find evidence that I don't have to do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I've Googled so many different protocols on rehab and what to do and expect the timeline. So I see, okay, so six to 12 months. Okay, oh, I'll be there in three months. And uh, then I realized, okay, so I try, I have this weird, uh, stupid theory that it's not true, but I tell myself and that Pauline, you're never giving your, your body rest for your whole life. So it's gonna have a mega super compensation right. effect here. So it's gonna, it might happen actually, you know, like, oh, for once it got to actually rest. Mm -hmm. And now with like, you know, suppressed for 20, 20 years, now it can actually heal up. So who knows? Mm -hmm. I, my plan it's is gonna now, get huge. I'm gonna come back and bigger <laughs> than before. Cause I had one year back in 2010 when I actually cut off 10 pounds of muscle that took me 10 years to build. Mm -hmm. That was because I had a photo shoot and we took a right angle where if we took that photo today, I would say, wow, I look jacked, great. Uh, but at that time I was actually a little, like I felt like I, I was a little too big. It was weird because I was just 120 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Pavel, the photographer, and I was just like, do you think I look a little too big, like too muscular? He says, yeah. And so we, at that point, I said, I'm going to cut it off. And I'm very determined. So I did that. It took me one year. And I stopped training weights, and the legs kept on being there. I, you know, I cut my protein in half. And I remind myself now that, Pauline, even though you're trying to build, like, really take off weights, it's going to take some time. Now, uh, after six weeks, it's going to be sedentary. So I made sure that I trained as much as I could up to that point. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's going to be lighter. And the reason why I'm not scared of this is first, any little thing of stimulation on muscle you can have after 10 off, it's going to stimulate it. Muscle memory. Thank God for that. And I'm going to have to do the rehab with a physiotherapist because I don't want to come out of this and then have to um, and mess something up. It's not worth it. And also, I, I tend and takes a long time. This is the only time that I'm allowing myself. I'm, I'm going to follow doctor's order. Never done before. Mm -hmm. okay, it's so, about time. So I imagine you've probably <laughs> done a lot of studying of things like detraining oh, and yeah, yeah. What, what happens when so, you, how, how much you have almost 20 years yeah. of muscle memory and of muscle mass built up. 
yeah, how does it chip away and does it come back or is it just sort of asleep? So what I saw uh, the first, the three, like um, for three weeks, I stopped training legs now up to the surgery uh, and I lost like three pounds. So the three, but I got shredded. So the thing is that um, when I can't train, I get even more discipline in my diet. I don't have any treats. I don't have any rewards. I stay on my, my I lower my calories a little bit, like 200. People always say, oh, so you're going to eat less, l- much less now? So mm-hmm. it's not really because my workouts maybe take 200 calories. So it's right. going to be very little. Calories in that yeah, much, yeah, so it's just that's what people always over overthink that you have to either starve yourself or you have to eat so much because but a, a person like me who's so small, I don't need much. So unfortunately, I wish because I could eat mm-hmm. more. Um, but um, so it's gonna be you know. So I saw how the muscle glycogen goes down and like st- and stay in the mirror. And one night I was just and I told people like my followers just I felt like a skeleton. Like I had jeans and I have a loose top on and I know I should know better that if I just post like stripped down naked I will look buff again but mm-hmm. I looked at it and I just like I'm gonna have a hard time with this I'm like okay so so I remember because I ended up I wasn't supposed to, I'm not one of those cry babies who just cry for to show tears when I cry it's for real and I didn't plan on it so I had that it was like podcast and one morning and I just started to cry because it's like I felt like a skeleton and I have my whole, it's like my castle. It's like, this is my expression, my self-expression, my art, and it's like taken away from me soon. And I have to and be okay with that. But then I trained legs like around it, pumping up and stuff like that and had like electro stim and then I did all this weird kind of moves that I had like, uh, made up. And the muscle pump came back. So the next day I looked like, oh, normal. I'm just like, okay, you got this, Pauline. So I like, I, I did a voice recording for myself. Pauline, remember now that it's just about the pump first. But anyway, so uh, muscle, if you're completely down sedentary, not moving it around, it's going to take about three, two, five, six weeks before something's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the longer time you train, it's not, it's not going to be ruined overnight. Yeah, if you built your whole it's body hard, through hard steroids that, in, right. in three months, of course you're going to mm-hmm. lose it, but that's right. because you didn't really build it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be smaller, but I think I will be able to train upper body and you probably will build more there because I saw the last weeks when I didn't train legs that I actually got stronger because there was more time off. I don't do any cardio. I don't do any weight for uh, legs and I'm still getting leaner. So I've shown people that too, like a, to, to kind of do that on their nose, like, you know, pick that sure. on their nose and just say, okay, so you say you can't do cardio like that. I'm not doing cardio. And uh, not that cardio isn't health, healthy, but, you know, at some point, it might be that you can't do it. Right. And I don't want to, people are like, oh, you're going to swim and just like, swim? I don't want to be an endurance trainer. I don't want to convert hand, my, my, yeah, like, I don't want to <laughs> convert my fast muscle fibers to, like, actually to, like, slower. Like, that is not what I want. So I'm actually seeing that I'd rather do very little so I can get more of the fast fibers to stay than to change them into slow. Oh, that makes that's sense. just, you know, like, my way of trying to cope mentally. But then you have to figure out. What else do I do with all the time that I used to oh, train? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. got to be the hardest part. So yeah. write another book. Oh, I okay. know. So, well, the good thing for me is that I'm a workaholic. So I work 24-7. I love doing that. And it's all social media and product development and all that. I have a team to, to lead. So I, I, I'm not out of work. And all this I usually do from home anyway. So, I, like, I... I'm not a movie watcher. I, I don't have the attention span for that, mm-hmm. but I like to study science. So, I, you know, I, I do like certifications and I, you know, I study for those things and I'm on a deadline. Uh, I, I love science. I don't have any formal education. So everything I do is self-studying. Self-study and I go to ISSN and, I, you know, I mm-hmm. pick up on those. So right. I'm, Not everybody goes to those sorts of things no. for, because they... For fun, basically. Yeah. No, for, I know. <laughs> for, yeah. For, yeah, professional development. To. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, well. I was really looking forward to kind of sitting down and chatting with you because you're a female who's been in the fitness industry for a almost 
20 years. Yeah. And we're kind of in this really interesting phase of femininity, 2018 yeah. and all of that. And how has that changed in your experience, you know, from when you first yeah. came here, first started being a fitness person, gurus, yeah. model, all those things. And how is it kind of shifting now that you've noticed? I'm a feminist in the way that I feel like it's equal, you know, fair and square, like men and women. I'm from Sweden, so that's what, you know, when you go to restaurants, it's going to be paid half for the women, half for the men. So that has uh, colored me a lot here in America. And that's where I see like a lot of, poly uh, like um, you would say, when there's um, cultural differences. When it comes to fitness ends, I think I see that just like with that in mind. Um, I feel that women are doing ourselves a disfavor because you're selling out as it's all about sex. Look like a little uh, a bunny that, you know, anyone can just do whatever they want to do with and they don't have anything to say. They put everything into looks and it makes sense in a sport that is like fitness. But do you want to do this for one year and then or do you want to do it for a long time? So. Uh, when I started, I felt women were more like they were about strong and they showed like regular pictures. You don't have to be in a lingerie and set on a workout video, which I feel is like it's out of context. If you want to do that, go to Playboy. It's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But don't you put everyone else who's into fitness like we're kind of weird, kind of like half glamour, half fitness. And I think for, for instance, like uh, I don't have any kids, but people who do have, imagine that they show the kids to go into fitness and they see all these girls are like dressed down and like they're, I, every time I'm in uh, like on a plane or something, when I open up my Instagram, I always end up with a picture where there's a naked girl doing stair stepper. Right. And it like, I'm like scared of like, I have a big phone, just everyone's looking like, I know I didn't look at this autoplay, you know, but I, like, I don't understand that. Like why women have to, to show everything to kind of feel like they have a worth. Mm -hmm. And like, who are you selling this to? And to men. So I feel like a little bit like companies should also take responsibility. Um, a lot of those like, you know, shady companies that haven't been around for a long time, they have, they do whatever. So they just, they sell it with naked bodies, sell it with sex, sell it with females, as long as the female is shut. And that's why I would never be a good one of those because I can't keep my mouth shut. Right. I stand up for what I believe in and I'm not scared of getting criticism for what I believe is right. Um, then I would just say like a big applaud to companies who do they respect and they show with good manners, like uh, Optimum Nutrition, for instance. Like I worked with them in 2006, I was a sponsored athlete. They've always been very good and conservative in a not boring way with how they present their athletes. The men and the women are the same. Do we ever see the men in a little thong in the gym that is like for neutral, uh, not a gay market, but just regular? They don't sell it like that. They're full, full clothes on or like a short or something. But a woman, she has to go in and be almost naked for that kind of attention. So the girls who do that, who sell nothing, they don't inspire, they just kind of tell all the other girls or women that this is what you have to do. You have to dress down, kind of like prostitute yourself and take, not put attention to your insider, your, like your, what you have to say, your, you, what you can contribute to. Just do this and you will be popular. And that works on social media because the more you show sex, 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 the more followers you get. And then the companies show, oh, she's got 500 millions of followers. Right. And that's what you get rewarded for. So I think it's going more into that extreme more and more. And I try to be like a counterweight. So I try to, okay, mm -hmm. there are no naked photos of me online. There's nothing weird you can find because I've always known that it's nothing that I want to do. It's not going to help anyone to transform or change from an unhealthy lifestyle. It's not going to motivate for the right reasons someone to drop 300 pounds. To see me naked or not, I always tell people, why would you see me naked? I, like, I, I look like just like everyone else, right. like, like something average, you know? Like there's nothing to see. Instead of trying to like 
like all the models, I can't stand it. They, you know, their life is presented as it's completely perfect. And they're mm. always perfectly made up. Oh, I woke up like this. And they have full makeup. Like, who do you think you call? Like, you know, like show people the real you instead. Like, And um, it, for years, I was like bullied in the fitness industry that I was never tanned enough. I was never made up enough. I always, my hair was always a little weird. Like something like that. And I just, I just own it. Like, this is what I am. I'm not going to go out and get some damage so I can have muscles and be tanned. Because, you know, right. you always have to have both of those. <laughs> so uh, I always, I think I've always been like avant-garde when it comes to that. You're trying to leave people. There's an alternative. You can be in this industry being healthy, being strong. You don't have to dress down if you don't want to or, like, or, or be naked. And don't sell fitness as a sex thing. Sell it as a lifestyle. So that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, um, I watched your videos on how to date a fit woman. <laughs> and I love that yeah. because you directly kind of address some of the pushback that fit women get from yeah. men where it's like, oh, do you really need to do it this way? Yeah. Or, oh, you know, where they kind of try to... Yeah. knock you off course yeah. and do you feel like now kind of the point where you're at that you do you get do you still get that or is it oh yeah <laughs> because on on the, since my business and like everyone's business nowadays to reach out worldwide is right. to be online and when there's online there's people behind private accounts that stalk you and they are obsessed with you but they say all this weird hideous stuff so I either I just ignore or I actually get a rise out of it because I like to like banter back mm-hmm. and I'm I'm witty when I want to and even though like English is my second language I know how to get them by the balls mm-hmm. so I do that and just like and everyone like on my side they say okay so like this guy just I like to get them to see my point so I'm like very I'm not mean I'm just like okay mm-hmm. trying so sometimes I even get this guy who tries to make everyone else angry there to just like take him on my side and like neutralize him uh, but um, with with men and women who lift, it's always about that. Oh, she takes steroids and she takes steroids. Because right. if you do this pose in a bicep, you know, you're going to look jacked. You don't, you you lose the way. So, for instance, with my boyfriend, he's like six, uh, he's very, very tall. And he's like this taller than me. Mm-hmm. It's good for me to just show how small I am. Because that way, you, like, you know, like, not that I ha- should have to. But since everyone says, oh, steroids, if someone has one pound muscle more than you, then it's steroids. It's steroids. It's steroids. This whole market is about that. And I'm so tired of that. Um, so I, I guess people just want to pretend that there, you know, someone is doing this and that's why they have results. And, and, and it's one of the things that I don't like in the industry because I feel in all sports are going to be cheaters or not. Right. Just will that change what you're going to do? Like I've never changed. I know people do this, but that's not what I'm interested in. So take a responsibility mm-hmm. instead of blaming, you know, like that. It's like that junk food was not what made you fat. Like, you know, like, you know, no, no, because it's, like, it's steroids. So as a woman with muscle and also always saying that, you know, I, I am a natural. So what do you want me to do? Lie? You know, like it's weird. Yeah. The, the, the steroid dialogue online is so obnoxious yeah. on both sides. Like yeah. the, 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 bo- both the, you know, the prevalence yeah. of steroids and just that instant yeah. urge to label somebody yeah. as if that explains yeah. everything right. that a yeah. person has done. And you I, still have to lift even if you're taking steroids. Yeah, you that's, know? The, that's the part that bothers me the most is that, yeah, whether or not they are, you still have to go and move the heavy weight. Yeah. Don't you know that to be Olympia, Mr. Olympia, you have you just have to lift in three months and then take some drugs and then you're there. And, uh, you know, the typical guy <laughs> to say that. I'm yeah. just like, you don't have the symmetry for it anyway. So right. and probably not the genetics. So there's a lot of things that have to line up but I think uh, I always tell people like why do you even discuss this like it's always brought up so I'm just like trying to like it's not what I'm interested in I'm not saying that you should do it I'm not I I don't care about it so let's talk about something else like Mm -hmm. it's like why we talk about something that won't even be something that I'm gonna do 
that's how I feel. Like, mm-hmm. so I wonder why people are so Shame obsessed calling. with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really strange. Yeah. And a lot of what we've been talking about is really talking about, you know, the long game and, and really focusing on long-term yeah. progress. But you also, um, you, you're well known for shorter-term fitness challenges. Yeah. Eight, mm-hmm. 12 week, things like that, like, like bodybuilding.com yeah. is. Um, how what, does that work? Yeah, well, just, and what, what value do you feel like that, that, that's, that provides for somebody who's like, they're really trying, they want to live yeah. a 20, 50, 80 year fit life what does that eight to 12 week little crucible provide for somebody? So that's a typical catch 22 where since I'm always about sustainability and lifestyle and the people say like, do can I get this uh, result in 12 weeks? And right. me as the company is always very transparent. I tell people that most of these candidates or like the contenders are actually they're doing three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's people who've done 10, all my challenges back mm-hmm. to back. And I tell them that the 12 week now, if you're a beginner, this is your first journey. It's like your steps first to get started and you're going to have it as a lifestyle. And when the women get obsessed that they don't have the results that someone has been training for several years, I tell them, okay, this is why, you know, you have to, you think that you're so special that you're going to, you know, get the results that it took me five years, right. you're going to get in three months. And people kind of don't want to listen to that. But then I also actually have picked up on that people kind of feel like, it's not about this pressure. It's not about showing who lost the most weight, mm-hmm. who does, because it's not about that. It's about the accountability and the consistency. That's why I have coaches in my challenges who kind of help them, lead them, and, and so on. Um, so I am really down to earth and explain, okay, okay, I didn't build this in three months, and anyone who says that is a liar. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the results exactly you want, but if you keep on doing this, it's going to add up, accumulate, and that is what I love about fitness is that, you know, how many things are, the more you do the same thing over and over and over, the better the results? Right. Like right. very few things, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right. yeah, right. That's, I mean, that's the one thing you can do in eight to 12 weeks is yeah. you can build behaviors. Yes, exactly. Yes. And that Enough is what's going to then translate over your whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's my like specialty. Like, you know, training, yeah, great. But I think see it as sport. I don't see it as sport. I see it as an art. And then we have nutrition, which I also feel like it's a more like a religion rather than, right. you know, you just consume something. Mm-hmm. So those two up are so powerful. And when you get people to understand that and not, this is a diet, I'm going to do this instead of, no, no, no. See how fortunate you are. You can eat healthy. You can take care of your health. Not everyone has that kind of privilege. And trying to, you know, these complain things, I'm just like, stop it, okay? Mm-hmm. Instead, see the positive. Because if you are wiring your brain and conditioning it into saying, this is not, this is not what I want to do, I hate it and all that, you're going to see that you're going to rebel. Uh, you can't do it right. anymore. So yeah. you have to, you have to embrace it. You, yeah, exactly. Right. Find what goals do you want? And then how much am I willing to work for it? And if you see, I'm willing to work this much, but my goals are here. We just can't, you're never going to be happy. So take down your goals. And mm-hmm. not everyone has to be an elite fitness model looking person. I always tell them, do you think it's going to be make you happier? That you wake up one day and you're going to have six pack, you pull up and great. Okay, next day, great. And then you're going to see if there's nothing else that you like from the results. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the lifestyle, the food, the training, all that, you're going to see that you're starting to not appreciate it. And it mm-hmm. goes and you're like, mm, mm-hmm. okay, success, so what? And that is, so I'm like, I'm really trying to get people to, even though it's such a aesthetic and superficial kind of what we do because we see the results in the mirror on the scale or something, it's about the insights. It's like, even if I was blind, I would still do the same because I can feel how my body is lean or not. And, and it's very empowering. I love that. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting to hear you say that you still... You still, you know, get, get upset. You look in the mirror, and sometimes yeah. you go, "Oh my God, I'm yeah. a skeleton." Yeah. Right. So you're you're not you're not immune to it. Like no. that's 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 the thing about appearances. Yeah. 
sometimes yeah it changes dramatically yeah. day yeah. by day yeah. but at, until you until you're actually judging yourself yeah. that way boy it's hard for people to grasp oh yeah even yeah. For, even for you yeah no no <laughs> and I, like i tell them like i'm in the same boat one day like if i if i get really lean i feel like i lost like i'm skinny and if i am a little off or i gain a little muscle yeah my butt looks better but i also don't feel as lean so my abs disappear so i then so the typical question for women that are coming into my fa- uh, my uh, my challenge is to say like so pauline how can i keep my boobs and my butt but i want to have a six pack of abs i'm that's, just like, that's the ultimate <laughs> internet and ideal, I tell, okay right? get implants get really lean yep. and then just okay you're gonna have a small butt but work it as hard as you can but just understand you can't pick and choose it's gonna be like what your body is like mm-hmm prime to do uh and that's another thing with all the photoshopping and people putting implants everywhere like you know like breast implants i have them i don't it's normal like if you lean you're gonna have to lose them and i was born with a kind of that was really droopy too you know so it was a lot of volume but it mm-hmm. lost it so what am i gonna mm-hmm. do with that and uh so but with with social media and you photoshop you kind of people who are like in their teens they see this girl with a butt that is like muscular but mm-hmm. this big and then the waist is this i'm just like don't you see that that is not it's not healthy and it's not normal it's mm-hmm. photoshop but they don't know because they don't have any difference so then they think that all women are subscribing to that kind of idea so guys are telling your butt is too little i'm just like i'm not trying to look like a porn star right. you know this is an athletic body i want it's not going to be the big big butt but that's Mm-hmm. You know, Kardashian, all that right now, that's the guess the trend, but yeah. Yeah, and there is no way to spot reduce. No. But the cool thing about lifting is there you is a way to spot yes. add. Yes. So exactly. if you want to sculpt your body, yeah. you do have actually yeah. have to lift weights. Yes. And that's the getting people to kind of come around yeah. to that mindset yeah. is huge. Yeah. And not always go for what le- lighter and smaller. Like you can be bigger or you can like get stronger and you can get smaller so instead of thinking about everything has to be loose weight loose like negative thing like you can like you said gain muscles it's positive and it's just the way you word it will then present itself in your brain Mm-hmm. Sure, and then you can also start to gear your nutrition toward yes. that goal yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. More. It's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I wanted to talk with you about, about nutrition and about protein since you just went to the ISSN yeah. and uh, and you had Jose Antonio on your podcast. We had him on, on ours. And I was wondering, you know, the, the thinking on protein has changed a lot over the last yeah. 15 years or so. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of bodybuilders who now that they're in their 30s, they say, I've actually cut down my protein a lot. Then you talk to guys like Jose Antonio, Doug Kalman, who say, Everybody's got to get it up a little bit to yeah. that to that one gram per body weight yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. How how is your thinking on protein changed over time, if if at all? I'm really happy that uh, they've shown with these studies and so on, and also like all the kidney function, liver function, that there has not been nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I had that issue when I started to actually monitor blood work in 2008. I had. Um, like a TV show that was coming up. So they put me through all this test and they showed that I had liver enzymes that were really elevated, like really high. And of course, doing bodybuilding and they thought, okay, you're taking steroids. I took all these other tests for testosterone and all that. And of course there was nothing. Um, that was years, years later, that was actually a, a sign that my, li- my, my thyroid wasn't working properly. So the uh, liver okay. was occupied mm-hmm. with that. Um, and no doctor could show me. So I was through all this liver specialist who said like, yeah, your liver is really angry, but there's nothing wrong with me. So you don't know. And since I looked, I was so disciplined with my food and diet. It didn't look like I had a thyroid problem because usually it should be heavy, right? Mm-hmm. 
so um, my protein intake has always been really high. Uh, like I'm up there with those studies, like the 3.5 to 4 grams and so on. Okay. All my career. My creatinine is very low, like 169, like, you know, all the time and I monitor. So I have those studies, but I've done it on myself. Uh, I'm happy that the, sto- the, the stigma about high protein is bad for your kidneys, bad for your bones and all that. Even the American Heart Association says that you shouldn't eat that much protein. Like, And there's like, how did protein become the kind of black sheep? On the other hand, we have the people who think they can just eat protein and not eat vegetables, not eat any potassium. So I tell, oh, hold on there a little because your your acidity level there is going to be bad in that way. So it's not about the protein. It's what you add to it, you know. So, of course, a protein diet with only protein wouldn't be healthy. It's not, you know, you're going to convert some of the protein into glucose. So why not just eat carbs? Maybe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm really happy about the people start to be scared of that. So, uh, no, I haven't cut down on protein unless I did that year when I tried to cut it down. Uh, I think people just have to find a diet that they want to do for lifestyle instead of just trying something that is a fad or right now everyone is paleo or they are keto diet. And I'm just like, there's no reason for you to do keto diet. And mine is definitely not keto diet. Carbs will not make you fat, you know, and it's about consistency and somewhat reasonable. So instead of having, I'm very disciplined and strict, but it's not needed for regular people to do that. It's just my priority. Sure. And I imagine you have people that you work with all the time who the protein levels down here and you you bring it up here to a level where they never thought they would go Mm -hmm. and they just... Oh my God, yeah. it changes everything, yeah. right? Like what what, hap- what happens to somebody who, all right, they're getting serious about training and they really do push the protein level up a little bit. Uh, they see the metabolism go up. They can recover faster. They feel hotter because the protein increases your thermic effect. The meat food. sweats, mm-hmm. we call that. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. And uh, so usually when they do with my program, they also he- have the huge bowls of food because my number one rule on fighter diet is prevent overeating by overeating. We know one thing. That's why like nowadays when everyone is fasting every other day or something, I always, like when people say, should I do this? I'm just like, was your problem ever to, uh, you know, did, did you have a problem to stay away from food or was it that you actually overate? And they said, I overeat. So how do you think then? I said, you're going to have the discipline all of a sudden to, to right. kind of starve yourself for a whole day. You're setting yourself up for t- problems. Some people, you know, do it well. Others don't. Like I usually, I don't eat throughout the whole day. I eat protein before training. And I eat most of my food at night or in the, in the morning. But it's the whole thing of having to go like 16 hours and people think this is must be. Right. You know, everyone has to do this. So, you know, with my diet then, that they get to eat so they're satisfied. So they that is number one. Because if you're satisfied and you have a big belly that will be flat in the morning, so don't worry. Like people <laughs> upset like, oh my God, like I'm so full. What am I going to do? Like, good. Now you won't go see you, you know, tripping over to 7-Eleven getting Ben and Jerry's. So right, that, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah. So it's about, you know, if you, if you starve your brain and all the hunger hormones in your body, body will just start to act up and good luck then because you know i know with my discipline how hard it is how could i then expect someone else to stay on this with like small portions of food for a meal prep so i kind of changed that you know that's why my my uh, containers are so successful and why they want to keep on doing it because it's not about starving yourself or half starving it's eating a lot so you can stay on it so it's volume you need to be satisfied yeah for sure and yeah. because if you say like i'm never gonna have this and and that's another warning sign that i see when contenders come in mm-hmm. and i have every week have this Q&A live so I, I bring up stuff because I monitor what they say and so on and I get the, the, the coaches telling me what's going on so I usually see this is what people do they uh, they overeat and they binge and then they feel really bad. And after that, that's when you see they're highly motivated and they are extra strict. And then after that, they show very good behavior. And then they fly under the radar for a few days and they restart. So I was 
call those people out, not in person, but I'm just like, I got to know there's some people here and uh, and th- you're not going to see results. So because it's so straight. So when someone is extremely motivated and extremely, we know, I know, what happened right before there? Something went wrong. Right. So I'm trying to get away from this yo-yo up and down. Right. Just the like it's better to have a little bit and just, okay, what did this do for me? And kind of having a conversation with yourself, like what do I want out of this special treat? Like, And that's another thing. I don't do cheat days. But I do treats. So what's the difference there? Treats have a positive kind of wording to it. It gives it that it's a reward for good behavior. If you didn't do good, you're not going to get rewarded. Cheat means almost, first of all, you're not cheating anyone because you're not going to get away with it if you overdo it. And cheat has a negative ring to it. It's not good for your brain. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about this, trying to optimize the brain, how your brain is actually kind of interpreting what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, and I've always I've always disliked the word cheat too because I feel like it feels like an explosion. A cheat has to be huge, yeah. whereas a, a treat can be any size, yes. right? Por- it can be por- an apple. Yeah. Portion control yeah. in this yeah. country, we're, we're completely completely yeah, we're, bizarre we're about yes. portion yeah. control. I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a small piece of yeah. something delicious. Oh, What's wrong you with dieting? You? Yeah, right. Like exactly, chocolate. exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, but you know, at the same time, yeah, you go to eat at my grandmother's house or something like that. The portion comes out, and it's like this. Yeah. It's a it's a cheat built yeah. in. I'm like. I have no desire to eat something yeah. that big. I know it's yeah. going to make me feel like yeah. shit the next day. Yeah. You know? feel have you seen that though? The trend on on social media again, especially Instagram, where it's all about the girls that are in very shredded after show or something, fitness photo shoot, and the guys are even worse. And then we always see them first in bikini, mm-hmm. and then we see them eating like ten hamburgers, ice cream, typical binge eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wait, you're showing this for public. You're not even like, you are not embarrassed that you actually have a problem. Because if you have to eat that much, it's not healthy. And it's like psychologically, you having an eating disorder, like you are not satisfied. And mm-hmm. that kind of message you are putting to your mess, like your uh, followers mm-hmm. who don't understand. So then they come like, well, she eats that. Why don't I get the results? Because she's not eating like that. She's either just posing with it. Mm-hmm. And then she has one hamburger or she's actually, she's starving herself for weeks after. After that, And I think it's extremely unhealthy and it's not good for young women in particular who are very sensitive to these kind of uh, patterns to kind of justify, like if you don't, like I feel that because I am one of those persons who don't eat junk food. Like I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, I eat like, uh, you know, Lily's chocolate chips that have like no added sugar right. or mm-hmm. if I go out to have a, like a 20 ounce of steak, I have no problem with that. But I don't go and have hamburgers or french fries. I've never had, mm-hmm. I've had one hamburger my whole life. So I'm like, I, I, I don't come from here. That's, mm-hmm. I guess, well, that's why. But <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I love candy. But uh, but now it's almost like, you know, so I get this, well, something's wrong with it. Like, why don't you eat this? Like, why don't you mm-hmm. have that junk food? Like, well, I value my body. I don't think that my liver has to digest that. Like, you know, I don't want to put that through my pancreas and all that. Like, it's just my priority. Mm-hmm. Sure. I know it won't affect me on on a scale, it's not about that. It's about how, again, my accountability to myself, about principles. Like, can I get away with it? Like, sure, I can get away with it, but I don't want to get away. I want to have a clean record. Right. So it's about principle. I'm very f- firm on that. It's like to, because if you don't have firm principles to yourself, you're going to see your brain start to negotiate when you have a weak moment. And if you start, if the brain's getting in there and just like, yeah, we know you gave up last week. Just like, why are you not going to do it now? And then try to renegotiate and just like, I'm going to wait for that. And, you know, like the brain just knows because it's so smart and it has gone through evolution, knowing how to get you to eat. So I tell people what your brain and your fat cells do they're just trying to get you to fatten up because that's what you're programmed right. to. It's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. You're actually doing what we're supposed to do. Be sedentary, 
and eat, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not good for us. Preparing for winter, right. that's exactly. never going to happen. Exactly. Never gonna, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we most people when they start on a diet plan, they want to hear you say like, "Oh, well, this is what you can get away yeah. with," or they want they they basically want you to justify like, "Oh, you know, yeah, you can keep doing the same thing you've been doing yeah. and get." totally new results. So how do you coach people to overcome that initial mental hurdle of you actually have to change what you're doing if you want to have different results? Yeah. Training is very easy to do for people. They go and they kind of, uh, uh, you know, kick themselves hard and then they kind of, you know, oh, I, I, now I can eat whatever I want or it doesn't, won't affect me or I sweat a little so I can eat it. Um, so I just, you know, tell people again, I explain to them why I am strict with my diet, why I stick to my beliefs. I say, because I can't, I won't get the results I want if I don't have any a special pattern. So if they're really, uh, they're super sold on doing keto, for instance, they come into my journal and uh, my challenge where they have a typical diet plan and it's like not keto. And I always tell them, like, you can keep on doing what you want. I'm not going to force you to do this because I know if I force them, it's not going to come from them. It has to be intrinsic motivation. And uh, I just wait them out until I see this not working for me. And just, okay, good. Now you come on with my team. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just like people, just like me, like I have to get the epiphany myself. Like I can, I will never take order. If you told me to eat a certain thing, like, all right, and I won't do it. Mm-hmm. So I know that. I just know myself. I know others. Like I just have to kind of present Okay, do you want to starve all the time or do you want to eat like me? And the, and then I usually just take pictures of me, uh, you know, eating my big bowl of like four pounds of cabbage stir fried with chicken. And I show them my big belly after that. And I go to bed and I show them in the morning. It's flat again. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry about that. But it just keeps me happy and sleeping. And people are scared of eating at night and just like, really? That's where I eat most of my food. And that's been like that for I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. Just eventually they, yeah. they just come around. Yeah, they usually. So I usually, I'm like a, a turtle, but I win, win them over when they have something like if they're done typical they're comp- competitors and they've been on that kind of starving diet they're like a thousand calories a day and I'm just a thousand calories like you know you can't build muscle <laughs> on that so I slow I always have to reverse diet and then like non-stop over and over like everyone comes in there and just like okay you think dropping calories will do it better like no um, because you're not getting results your body right now is just gonna keep on holding so instead of having them then regain too much fat by you know losing control I said if you lose control uh, and rightly, rightfully so, um, if you're going to then go on a binge feast and you're going to, first of all, your body is, your metabolism is lower. You have all your cells are waiting for that moment where you're going to overload and they're going to be more efficient to get it in. Just like muscle memory, like, you know, they, if something is taken away, they're going to come back. So you're going to get fatter with that. And then you're going to feel miserable and you're going to repeat it. And then you're going to starve yourself middle. So I, I show them this up and down, how it's not helping. And then I show them like in comparison to people who are very consistent and strict and that you can eat more. And that's usually what got get women hooked. Oh, I can eat. Right. You know, like, finally, why, I'm allowed. Why would you want to, your whole life, your whole life you want to starve. Like, I hell, hell no, I'm going to do that. I have a big appetite. I'm not going to do that. So pretty much like that is, you know, like, why would I want to be very uh, angry and hungry all the time if you don't have to. Like, that's sure. not life quality. Mm-hmm. You said something interesting in there. You said, you know, the training's the easy part, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. somebody on the front end, they think, the training's the hard part. What do I do for training? Oh, I'll just eat. I, I know how to eat. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. to train. But you're saying, yeah, no, the, the, the training, you just have to, somebody has to just show you, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, first uh, a trainer, someone shows that. And then also uh, a thing that stops people who, who eat really well. 
they don't understand that it's not about going into the gym and do uh, 10 reps and then it's, you have to, like every set that's be, ask yourself, okay, could I do more? Can I do more? Like always come back to notes because we are creatures of habit. We're going in, we do the same thing over and over again. And since bodybuilding and fitness is already the set, it's regimented that way. You keep on doing the same uh, to explain to people that, yeah, this will work for so long, then you have to change it. And one thing that I see there is like people are always scared of going from lift heavy to total time under tension or mm -hmm. total load. So they think that, wait, uh, lifting, let's say a deadlift for three reps with 200 pounds, that's 600 pounds total in load there. So I'm gonna do 10 reps with 60 pounds, no, wait, 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 300 pounds, what did I say? <laughs> uh, 600 pounds is that three reps with 200 pounds is 600 pounds. If I knew, now do 10 reps with 60 pounds, it's gonna look very light on paper, right. but I said, well, the total is the same. So just explain to people that, and I suck at math, so like mm -hmm. I, can, I can understand that. <laughs> On paper, it's yeah, a little bit easier. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? So, um, but usually those, you know, that this kind of motivation, I want more, that could be a stopping because bodybuilders are known to train like extremely hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm one of them, but I always tell people, it's not really what you have to do. And those people, I really like them because they are the ones who will embrace rest, who will ta take orders when I say, okay, your shoulder feels bad right now. Okay, mm -hmm. let it heal for a week. Because you know, I've tell them like, I've done all these things. Don't do it too. I want you to be better than me. And, you know, and then, so they usually get better results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I, I, I like the idea of that, of that total workload too. Yeah. There, there are a lot of smart lifters out there who, who make that work because it is it is the way to compare apples and oranges. Yeah. It's really yeah. the only yeah. way the only way to do that. Yeah. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, because you know, one one thing that people don't associate with discipline a lot of the time is marijuana use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes. Like it's not it's not necessarily that. <laughs> My you, favorite. You, yeah, it's not. It's but that's not something like when somebody thinks, all right, this is a disciplined yeah. person. They don't think that goes hand in hand with that. And I was wondering how. Because you're you're a proponent of medical marijuana yeah. and recreational yeah. marijuana, how how does that go in hand hand in hand with leading a disciplined lifestyle? So for many years I was against it because I I thought that first of all it was gonna give me the munches and I always saw potheads that are like slow and they you see them in Venice beach bombs and I like I saw this and I was scared of it I thought like oh I don't want to be like that of course I'm not gonna do that right. kind of drugs mm -hmm. but I, my whole life since I was a kid I've always had problems with sleep and stressing down with my work of being a workaholic and never wanting to stop it's really it's real hard I've always worked on it like now the last years okay I'm gonna shut off social media at 7 p.m. I'm not mm -hmm. allowed and all that but then I have uh, a boyfriend who doesn't do that so it kind of messes me up there so with marijuana then I I started like I don't want to have sleeping pills because they are not good for you. They uh, and I don't want to have the medication for that. Right. It's easy uh, to get dependent. Yeah, and, and also like you know I didn't even I like I tried them, but I'm very resistant. I, I happen mm -hmm. to be one of those who like, if, for instance, if I drink vodka, I'm from Sweden, so of course, mm -hmm. uh, four shots, no problem. You know, so mm -hmm. if I actually tried one day, I was like so desperate. I had like you know a third of a vodka bottle, and I remember I, I called Paul and I was like, I, I can't do this. I'm gonna be bad for my liver. So uh, that was right around where medical marijuana came up and I'm just, okay, I'm gonna I do this. I went to the doctor, got a prescription and I told him, okay, I'm insomniac, I need this. I was so excited about that vape. Okay, so I went to the store and I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do this? I'm gonna get so high. I didn't get high at all. Thing. Like, oh, <laughs> what is this everyone is talking about? There's nothing. And I tried different things and so on. It, apparently again, I'm very like my, my brain, my, it's like, I guess it's a control thing that is very hard to let go of. So it's like, like I can always like super monitor. So then I realized that, okay, edibles are better. There's a cookies. 
and those work better. So they are the most potent way of marijuana. So what I do then is I only take it at night. I'm not one of those who would smoke pot throughout the day and I don't smoke uh, joints. So I mm -hmm. tell people mm -hmm. there are good ways and there's bad ways with a marijuana. There's one, do it all day for no reason is bad right. because it does lower your whole, like in what you do. Right, and then you're just, you're escaping at yeah. that point. Yeah, it's like, would you drink whiskey the whole day? No, so treat it the same way. There's an, uh, of course, CBD, which is the non-psychoactive right. part. It's good for many different kind of, uh, you know, uh, if you have pain or injury mm -hmm. or and something. Good research on insomnia <laughs> yeah. for certain people yeah. with that as and well. Yeah, and anti-cancer mm -hmm. so on. Has it done anything for me? Nothing. But uh, like I so said, I'm a, t a THC person. But what I do then is that, I educate people about responsibility. Like, first of all, I have all these cookies at home. I don't overeat them. I have them at night only. You have to be responsible like any other drug. Take, and I tell people, don't mess it up now. We got it legalized. Don't right. do something right. now so it's taken away again. And I think uh, marijuana is much better than alcohol because first of all, you don't get all the calories and also you don't, you don't get the same kind of you're not gonna die from marijuana anyway. Nobody, yeah. as far as I know, has died from marijuana itself. So it's very safe that way. Mm -hmm. But I also tell people, this is nothing for teens, because if you're an adolescent, your brain is actually, can be uh, impaired by America, marijuana. Right. Yeah, that is, this, that is very concerning for me right now when I see all the recreational, how easy it is to get. Mm -hmm. get. I'm happy I'm not a teen growing up for that. So I'm, I'm like on both sides here. I think it would be, should be stricter in one way. I want everyone who's an adult to be able to get it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's somehow, how do you protect the youngsters? I think by taking away this whole, let's say uh, marijuana would be like, oh yeah, it's just another one, not really getting high. Because well, if we feel like, oh, you're getting high? Well, I'm getting sleepy, okay? So what kind of high is that? I'm not all jacked up like this, you know, like that. It's not like you, I'm not you a You may be laughing a little bit. I know, right? You, you, <laughs> you only make him, you're a happier person, you know? Right. But uh, so, yeah, I I don't go out there think this is going to be the whole grail for everyone, like whatever, because they always do that, like right. vitamin D and probiotics, that this is going to save the world kind. It's going to be peace on earth because now we have the gut biome ready, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's sure. the same thing with miracle marijuana. It's not going to work for everyone. And uh, again, like don't use it as... Uh, something that is 24 seven is only supposed to be for what you have. Right. So I don't do like having a bad day, oh, I'm gonna go and just chill, like never, right. ever. I'm not done that, I take like a really strict with that. Okay, well, that's interesting. You draw the, the obvious comparison between marijuana and alcohol. Oh, and yeah. of course that's what, you know, anyone who's against it, yeah. they point to the problems yeah. with alcohol. And, and you're saying, well, yeah, there's yeah. You know, there's going to be people that yeah. abuse everything, yeah. but if we can kind of all come together yeah. and agree to use this responsibly, yeah. just as with alcohol, I mean, you're not taking shots at 8 a.m. No. before you go no, to work. Exactly. So if you're using marijuana in a responsible yeah. way, there's no reason no. why it couldn't be a, a, a beneficial Life addition well, to your lifestyle. if we're talking about sleep enhancement, yes. right? right? Which, yeah. um, as you've transitioned more into using that on a regular basis, do you feel like... Because of that, it has helped your training oh, and things? Oh, uh, it has helped my training as in actually now I don't, I'm not restless all night, night long. Like I had a kind of habit that I went to bed at two and I went up at, at five, like, you know, for many, many years. Now I have a sleep IQ because I have the sleep number of bed. Mm -hmm. So I get reward every night that I see, oh, I was in bed for nine hours and I slept eight hours of those who sleep. I'm just, yes. Mm -hmm. So it does. And then there's like, you know, when I wake up, I'm not groggy, but a lot of people are. So, you know, like most people only take a little pot, but my, I'm like my body is just resistant to everything so I have to have like more but I um, liver is very efficient so you know it gets out of the system but I think um, it's the same thing that we wouldn't really uh, prohibit uh, what say uh, wheat 
And we use that, for instance, for, let's say, beer or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's the same thing with marijuana then. Like, okay, you're going to, you want to take it away completely, but it's always going to be around because we have, the, you know, the drug lords and you're going to get right. it and so on. So I believe long-term kind of like, it's going to be numbed out. You know, we have marijuana. Okay, not everyone's going to use it, but, mm-hmm. and right now everyone's hyped out about it. And that's bad because I see like, there's no fitness person. That's why like I'm talking about it. There's no fitness person who goes out there who doesn't look like a pothead. Who's actually like you know like like me, a regular businesswoman who's very known to be sharp and educated, and not someone who's out drinking. Like I'm, I'm not a party party animal. Mm-hmm. That I I try to then tell people completely sober them because I'm not going out there like all those people are smoking weed online line, like that is not the message mm-hmm. you want. Okay, that that do that in your home privately. I feel like why do you have to do it? all around people. And the use of psychotropic drugs at high levels of business and innovation yeah. is a known thing. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's been around. Yeah. Um where but it's always responsible yeah. usage yeah. and you know there's there's stories of in the 1970s and yeah. 80s, you know, a lot of these people yeah. had their ideas because Microdo- of yeah, LSD microdosing yeah. LSD and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the real issue is not, you know, sh- should it yeah. be available? It's, you know, how do we train yeah. people to use it responsibly? Because yeah. right. it's like sugar, yeah. like anything else. Yeah. Like, just like sugar. And then, and that's the, the other thing that drives me absolutely bonkers. And tell yeah. me if you agree where, you know, sugar is completely legal. And what is eight out of the nine leading causes of death are directly related to overeating and yeah. especially overconsumption of yeah. sugar. Yeah, I think that has really exceeded what it should be about because they are always demonizing one uh, macronutrient. So if we, okay, so we didn't do well with protein. Okay, fat wasn't either popular because it showed that it was wrong. Now we have the sugar. Right. So I'm just like, of course, if you're eating really junk food or fast or a lot of sugar, it's going to be bad for you. Uh, like you don't have to really have an evidence scientifically about that. But then we have, of course, all the industries that kind of like try to numb down it's not sugar. Do, would I want personally to have all sugar banned? Hell no, I right. don't want to. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of life. Like if you never, I don't want to have broccoli and chicken for every meal. I think it's about responsibility again. Like let people have a choice. I don't want to have like kind of Russia communism like back in the days where, you know, this is what we're going to make for people to eat right. and that's it. Like I like to have a choice. And I think more about educating people and take away, uh, take back the PE and nutritional education for people. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know, in, empower people so they have a choice. Instead of, I mean, most people, I believe, are either very sad or depressed, so they don't get any help, they have no friends, and of who's there? Oh, Mr. Sugar, you know, okay. like, can always help you. If we take care of people instead of what they're doing with their life and make them happier, they're going to get more responsibility about their health and say, like, okay, it's really tasty for this, but I don't think I would want to have a smoothie with... 100 grams of carbs, uh, drinking it and don't even recognize that it's calories. So instead of just taking away, because I know if you take away from something, people want it. Right. So that's why I think like legalize everything. I mean, not not guns, like, uh, you know, anywhere. <laughs> Someone is mad and just going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't think about this uh, illegalize everything mm-hmm. for no reason. A sugar. I mean, everyone, oh, it's a sugar, it's a sugar. Like, no, it was the excess calories that came from sugar maybe. But I don't know why they keep on trying to find this scapegoat that's going to be that. But sugar, I mean, what what is next? Then we're going to stop having vegetables because they have natural sugars? You know, Mm -hmm. where are you going to draw the line? And I think it's very, it's dangerous to, um, I like to educate people. And I think that big companies should do that and like with FDA and so on. But when it starts to say um, everything is causing cancer, like let's say, uh, 
eating meat and they don't forget about the whole process thing or eating it every day or sedentary people who did it or on something, they put that in the same category as smoking tobacco. I'm just like, but that's not really true about right. that. And same thing like USDA put pizza as a vegetable because of tomatoes on it. Mm-hmm. So I think more people who are uh, nutritional savvy, uh, like one of my favorites, Lane Norton, he's really like, you know, common sense and explains like, okay, it's not sugar per se. It's that, like it's what people eat, that the sum of the sum. Right. And so uh, I think it's just more about education and and psychological uh, counseling. People like show them that, Yes, we all get cravings. We would drive by uh, like some kind of place here, uh, Dairy Queen. Queen, Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dairy Queen. Like, oh, of course it would be tasty. But then wait a little. You're like, what do you gain from this? And then is it worth it? So that's I've, I've uh, read a lot of studies about that. How uh, the rational brain versus the, the like the spontaneous like right. impulses. Just a pause. They are all it takes. they are not working together. So, mm-hmm. so people who have a problem with it, they only see this is tasty. This is tasty. And imagine if there's no ro- nothing inside you that says, hold on, you just did this work. It's not worth it. Don't, 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 don't. Mm-hmm. And you just go in there. But it's not about the sugar or that it's there. It's about the person. So I don't think, you know, like, how do we give so much power to uh, food? Like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but tra- it seems like training can be a place to get that sense of control, yes. though, at the yeah. same time. Like, all right, I know I'm building rituals here. I'm, yeah. I know that I'm making choices here that are intentional yeah. and it's a, it's a laboratory yeah. maybe that you can, you can use to apply some yeah. of that. No, and training is, I mean, overall a body that doesn't train and doesn't work out or exercise, it's not a happy body. We know that. And I think also that it's easy for people to, I mean, it, if you work out, you kind of like, oh, I don't want to, like I had an hour hard work mm-hmm. and, and then I don't want to undo it. So maybe mm-hmm. I should eat a little bit better. But it's about that step first, the first step for, for people in general. It's not like they just have to see, get kind of that instant reward. They have to get a little bit of like, see the light in the tunnel, like, oh, okay, I see a little weight goes off. Mm-hmm. So when I, for instance, have uh, clients that are like 300 pounds that they want to lose to 150, I just tell them, okay, how long did it take for you to gain this? And it's like okay. 10 years. All right. So give you at least, I mean, I said, like, don't feel bad if it's going to take you five years because you're on the way here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I feel in general that people feel embarrassed that they it takes some time to get results. And I'm trying to tell them that, like, well, it didn't happen for me overnight. So, you know, like, Mm -hmm. take it down. You're doing hard work. You don't should not be embarrassed that you're trying to improve. Because it's all this pressure. Oh, you're a 12-week challenge. Why don't you look like this? So then, like, imagine then you you keep on eating your food. People are, people are making fun of you because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So I try, try to f- like empower them. Like, okay, just you know, put headphones on. Don't listen to them. Right. right. Well, we're so conditioned to see those transformations. Yeah. And this happened yeah. in 12 weeks. Or this happened in three months. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize the amount of work that yeah. comes with you know losing that yeah. much weight, and yeah. it doesn't happen overnight. And um, kind of to your point about working out being the laboratory in which you kind of train that logical brain and yeah. that brain that's able to say no no you're yeah. not going to yeah. you're not going to like how that's going to end up yeah. on the back end and you know you can't eat a ton of calories or, or foods that are you know fast foods yeah. that make you feel sluggish and sick and then go work out the next day yeah. and feel great yeah. like your body will show you that that doesn't yeah. work so you'll mm-hmm. eventually learn through yeah. working out that okay i have to change how i'm eating yeah. to feel better to feel better yeah. during a workout during yeah. a workout and so they both kind of go hand yeah. in hand same thing where if you eat better you'll feel more motivated yeah. to go and work out yeah. and so i always tell people you can spiral down but yeah. you can also spiral up yeah so if you yeah no i completely agree with that and uh, i always 
tells people to put the gold star in their little journal every time they do something right. And for me, for instance, like I'm one of those people who would rather eat more vegetables and I forget about my fats. So I give myself a gold star that I write, good job, Pauline, when I put olive oil in it instead like I'm supposed to. Mm -hmm. So trying to do that, like one little step every day, just in, a, in that kind of positive, you know, give yourself a, like a like a, a pat on the back. Mm, you did just a good job. shot glass of yeah. olive oil. <laughs> yeah, like, well, in the vegetables. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's very, it's important to show people that it's nothing wrong to reward yourself uh, as in showing good behavior, you know? Like, we are our own biggest enemy, you know, when it comes to that. And people think it's, like, so small things. No, it's not. Like, it's someone who chooses a salad, for instance, over a hamburger, that's a huge step. So make sure that you recognize that and, you know, and own it and be proud of it. Mm -hmm. well, um, talking about, about, about fat loss and weight loss, um, it reminded me, one of a great line that I saw in one of your old articles was that you, you can't lean out what's not there, yeah. right? Yeah. Muscle <laughs> must be built first. I and I think that's, and for, for women, and that's that. That's a real problem. Like, what, what is your goal? My goal is to lean yeah, out. Yeah. And I think that that's such an that interesting message. You've been putting it out there for a long yeah. time. Like, there's a value in adding before you yeah. subtract. Yeah. Yeah. They want to lean down oh, first and then build muscle. Yeah. And it's very hard to convince women that you know you don't have anything there. And the typical. And I know how to trick question them so, so they understand. I said, so what size do you want to be? Like, I want to be the way I am now, but I want to be lean. I said, okay, so that's about ten pounds of muscle. And they're just like, oh, I'm gonna get that. Well, I'll give it like three years, maybe. Right. And you know, and I, I tell them like, you know, I when I started, I had a lot of muscle from my athletic, you know, like training with horses and stuff. And I had my genetics come from being strong, not lean, but strong. So I already had that for me. You maybe you're already skinny, like skinny, uh, skinny fat, for instance, which is like a lightweight and higher body fat right. percentage, mm -hmm. and you're not strong. You have that against you, so you're gonna have to build, and you're gonna feel swollen. You're gonna feel a little big. So when I see a girl then who's 100 pounds, she's I feel so swollen. I'm just like. You're in the wrong sport then. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to accept what everyone has to do. You don't have a special ticket. And, you know, like just because you're skinny doesn't make you, you're probably going to have a longer journey than someone who's chubby. And I tell that to them because they have not, when you are overweight, you're stronger because you have to carry all weight and your metabolism is, is, is faster. Uh, you burn more calories. When you're lean or small, you're actually the opposite. Your right. body doesn't need much. You're not, you, your bones are not that strong. So it's actually going to be sometimes a, a, like a longer road. And it's hard for people to understand that it can actually, it, you're not, you're not going to be better off because you're skinny. So women then or I said, healthier. Yeah, no, it definitely does not. not. mean healthy. Yeah, yeah. They think that skinny or thin is the same as healthy. And like, no, not, mm. not in many ways. Uh, and then also I try to tell people like, okay, can you squat your own body weight? And they can't like, oh, then you don't have the muscle you need. So um, this impatience is a problem when it comes to fitness and for women and, and thinking like stopping this again, it has to be the lifestyle you life you like to enjoy to do it. Mm -hmm. So going into a training, being skinny and then thinking that you're gonna start leaning out. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna work, you know. Hmm. So, 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 at what point does somebody kind of earn the right to be lean 365 days a year? Because that's a that's a big yeah. thing that that you value yeah. is being yeah. lean all the time. At what point do you, does somebody earn that? Uh, I think it's first of all you have to be happy with the muscle mass you have first of all, and also know oh. that if you want to be really lean or stay lean, you're gonna compromise a bit gaining muscle because you don't have the surplus daily that is needed. And I tell people too that you know when you're gaining muscle, you have to accept a little bit of fat gain. It's gonna be there. You can you don't you can't feel like embarrassed that you're not lean or because if you're really lean, it means that you don't have any excess at all, and that means you're not building muscle either. 
so explain that, first of all, that, you know, like building means surplus. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And cutting means deficit. So how is that going to work out? Like, do you know that? Okay, can you do mathematical equation mm -hmm. and get that work? And of course they can't. Uh, so I would say, I know how long it took for me. Um, I dieted down after three years and I still was very, very small. So I, I just tell people, okay, I got three years before I even told myself I can diet down. I didn't do it. I didn't touch it. I tried mm -hmm. to eat good, but that overeating just helped me build muscle. I was a little chubby than I wanted to, but it was good. It was a reason. So when you have those kind of first first years, it's actually better to have a little fluff on top and, and, and not trying to look at people who are lean because it didn't happen overnight. So, you know, it's hard to get, people always want to wanna, uh, contribute or attribute maybe. Um, if you train now, they think that your body has been made with the last months of work right. instead of seeing what happened the last 15, 20 years. So I was like, this is not what I'm, what built my body. It's like, you know, this is what's been going on for a long time. So uh, again, like, you know, when people actually understand and like you take the time to explain to them and show them a message that they understand, because it's like, if I want to prove my point, I can't talk Swedish to you and think you're going to understand. It's the same thing there. Like you have to find a way that they, they, they trigger, they get it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about you don't want them to look good because they can change it. You know, like, oh, you don't want me to get results. Of course I want this is my brand. I want right. everyone to get first, but I also want to sell a, 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 a healthy message, you know, that mm -hmm. people don't have these, uh, the worst thing that can happen is people have all these dreams and goals and you come in and it makes them fail. And a lot of companies do that as a business model. They do it as they want people to fail so they come back and buy more. And I said, like, that is the opposite I want. I want longevity. I want clients who have been with me for many years. That is how I feel that you build a brand that people, you know, they take pride in. So when I then see, you know, people are writing and they say, like, you know, that I've always believed in you, always been authentic, you've never sold out and all that stuff. It's like, that is the best part because I like, I know when I say something, people say, okay, she might, I might disagree. She, I might think she's weird or crazy, but she, she says what she thinks. And I think that is important. So. Mm -hmm. well, Pauline Norton, thanks for coming and talking yeah, with thanks us. Thanks so much This was me. great. Um, you can find Pauline all over online, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Fighterdiet.com. Yes. And where, where, else, where else do you like people to uh, find you? I have No BS with Nordine podcast on iTunes and also on YouTube. So YouTube is Fighter Diet Official. So Fighterdiet.com and then all the Facebook and all that. And just want to say that I started to write for Bodbin.com in 2003 mm -hmm. when I was wow. in Sweden. So it's almost like that's why I have a special relationship with Bodbin.com because we kind of, I don't know what what grew up together a yeah, little bit right? yeah right because it was like an underground thing and then you could still order stuff and so I just want to say thank you so much for what you're doing and it's an amazing journey with thebodbin.com so oh, great we're really, really honored to have you here, here.